I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. Je m'appelle Rick Safris, et c'est le podcast du Gidecolo Holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Holistic OBGYN podcast, everybody. This is episode 97 with my new friend, Amaya Shiva. She had reached out to me on Instagram and she was like, listen, I can talk about Ayurveda till the sun goes down. And I was like, that's a topic that I am particularly interested in. The uh, reason I titled this episode on reharmonizing with your environment through Ayurveda, that's the full title. The reason I called it this is as I've been studying anthroposophic medicine, which of course is the development out of the body of work of Rudolf Steiner, this concept of salutogenesis has really started to ring true for me. And what that term means is that your body can heal itself. We just have to give it the right resources. We have to get out of the way of its own powers to heal itself. And bear in mind that Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, really, they both prescribe, so to speak, very gentle remedies to help you, either on the physical, the energetic, the emotional level, reharmonize with your surroundings. And that really is sort of like the antithesis of disease, when you're really just adapted well to the context that you find yourself in at any moment. That's really where we find our optimal optimal health and, and vitality. So Amaya is, <laughs> she is a woman of multiple talents, not least of which is her experience with Ayurvedic medicine. She can be found, her work can be found at Siddha Labs, S-I-D-D-H-A labs.com. And we will be talking about some of her products, how she works, you know, how she coaches. You get to learn everything about her and Ayurveda. And a lot of it was actually quite a surprise to me as well. So We've got a couple sponsors for this episode. Of course, we can't do a show like this without sponsors. And the first, of course, <laughs> is my man Drew's company, Organifi. I am enjoying Organifi's product line so much that I have absolutely no problem. Don't tell them I said this, but I would be promoting their products even if they weren't a sponsor because I am finding it to be such a powerful adjuvant to my already healthy lifestyle. You're not going to biohack your way out of poor lifestyle, poor sleep, etc. But it sure does help to have something like Organifi's product lineup in order to kind of optimize what you're already doing. And the reason I love their company so much is that all of their products are USDA organic, they're gluten-free, they're glyphosate resi residue-free, they're non-GMO. If every company were run the way that Drew Canoli has managed to build Organifi, our world would be a much better place. And so, which products do I recommend? There are three products that I think you should consider buying. First is the green juice. Their green juice is going to provide you with a heck of a lot of phytonutrients. You're going to be so well-nourished from the ashwagandha to the moringa to the spirulina to the chlorella 
It's got some coconut water base, some wheatgrass. There's red beets in here. There's matcha green tea, turmeric loaded with antioxidants, some lemon, some prebiotic powder. I mean, this green juice, one scoop of this in a shaker once a day will keep the doctor away. <laughs> what I always tell my clients is, if I'm doing my job, you shouldn't have to come back to me very often. We should get you fixed up and get you out the door and you should never have to see me again. That's when I've done my job best. I also recommend their red juice. Their red juice is going to give you that natural energy boost in the afternoon. It's super high in antioxidants, very, very low sugar, but it has this berry flavor that really, really makes it pop. It's really delicious in the afternoon. This one's got red beet, rhodiola, cordyceps, reishi mushrooms. That's two functional mushrooms included in this. Freeze-dried berries, Siberian ginseng, lemon, prebiotic powder, loaded with so many nutrients. So I do green juice in the morning. I do the red juice mid-afternoon to give me a little boost without having to turn to caffeine. And then, of course, how could I go without mentioning their gold latte? It comes in three flavors right now. You can get their standard gold, their gold chocolate, and their pumpkin spice. Um, the pumpkin spice is available for a limited time only. It includes all of the stuff that's in this turmeric-rich blend, but with you know the addition of allspice and clove and nutmeg and all those seasonal delicious ingredients that we look forward to in our apple pies and our store-bought pumpkin spice lattes. Drew has described this product, all of their gold products, as a marshmallow in autumn having a baby. In gold, you're going to find tons of turmeric, lemon balm, reishi, turkey tail. These are functional mushrooms to help support your immune system, support your energy, support your adrenals. And then this product in particular is going to help you fall asleep at night. So if you want to try any of Organifi's products, go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20%. You can also use code Beloved and you'll save 20%. I've got all of these links in the show notes as well as the profile link that you'll find on my Instagram page, Nathan Riley, OBGYN. The next sponsor of this episode is Fullwell Fertility. First off, if you're considering getting pregnant, you need to consider your nutritional status. And while yes, diet, movement, hydration, breathing, mindset, sleep, these are all the important foundational principles of healthy lifestyle, even when you're doing those things, if you need some extra insurance, that's where prenatal vitamin comes into play. So if you're considering getting pregnant or you're pregnant, you're postpartum, whatever, and you need a good vitamin, the only vitamin I recommend to my pregnant and postpartum clients, or even my fertility clients, is Fullwell Fertility. Fullwell's multivitamin and all of their other products were developed by a registered dietitian, Ayla Barmer. She's the owner. She oversees the entire manufacturing process, so you know you're guaranteed quality control from start to finish. There's none of the other junky additives, no artificial food colorings, no sugar added. It is straight up the nutrition you need. Add to that lineup fish oil, add to it their nourished nerves tonic, and they have a men's virility vitamin. So if you're on this fertility journey, you owe it to yourself to at least get a couple months supply of their men's virility vitamin and the prenatal vitamin for the lady of the two. I can't recommend them enough. I love them. Ayla is just such a sweetheart, and I've just grown to love this company so much. And like Organifi, it's really no task for me to promote them because there's only one prenatal vitamin on the market that I care even to talk about, and that's Fullwell. So if you want to take advantage of 10% off, go to fullwellfertility.com. Use code BELOVED10. You'll save 10% on your purchase. Get one of each. You're not even going to think twice after you start taking some of these compounds that were made by this registered dietitian team. This interview is also sponsored by Immune Intel AHCC, my main woman, main man, 
Mimi and Chase of the Medicine Podcast. They've got this great product. It's called HCC, Active Hexose Correlated Compound. Their branding is the Immune Intel. And what this is, is basically it's a culture. It's a functional food made from the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. And there's a variety of benefits to HCC. They've got plenty of clinical research out there well-done studies that have looked at the benefits of AHCC as an adjuvant for cancer treatment, for liver disease, for Lyme, for autoimmune conditions, for acne, for skin issues, for herpes, like so many things. And most importantly for my audience is that it also has been clinically demonstrated to help you clear HPV. How does it do all these things? Well, it does this by boosting the immune system. And when we say boost the immune system, like that could mean anything, but they've actually in vivo trials They've got over 25 in vivo trials that have demonstrated that you have better immune surveillance by increasing the number of NK cells and T cells by up to 300%. And it's not like you're just jacking up the immune system. These cells are going to be able to communicate better now that you're adding in the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. They're also going to help regulate your stress hormones like cortisol. And this is so helpful because when your cortisol levels are super high, it actually suppresses your immune system. So we're going to help balance out your stress levels. And if you add to that the Nourish Nerves Tonic from Full Wealth Fertility, you've got a perfect combination here for getting your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems balanced out. And then lastly, you're going to notice as a consequence of these things, decreased systemic inflammation. They've demonstrated that the CRP, that C-reactive protein in the bodies of people taking HCC they decrease over time compared to those who are not taking it, which is a reflection of how much better regulated the immune and the adrenal systems are. So go to the medicine, that's T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com slash products, use code BELOVED10, grab yourself a couple bottles. I take a bottle every quarter just as maintenance. If you've got persistent HPV, this needs to be a part of your journey because this may save you painful biopsies. This may save you a leap procedure, an excision procedure, Otherwise, like a cold knife cone, save your cervix, spend a little extra cash at themedicine.com slash products, use code BELOVED10, you'll save 10%, and report back, let us know how we're doing. And if you want to reach out to Mimi, Mimi Linquist of The Medicine Podcast, she would love to hear your results. We're going to save one of these ads for a mid-episode read, but I do want to tell you very, very quickly about BirthFit, one of our newer sponsors, but holy smokes, like the other brands that I've aligned myself with, Lindsay Matthews Cantu of BirthFit is phenomenal. She's an incredible human. She's a legitimate expert in the perinatal exercise and wellness space. And having them come on the podcast is sort of like a missing link for me. You know, there's plenty that I have to offer, but man, what if there was a group, a body of people out there who really could take some of this burden off of the few doctors out there that also have all these other doctorly things to do? So fortunately, BirthFit's here. They provide pregnancy and postpartum-specific lifestyle programs. Their philosophy is that your autonomy, if you're going to make decisions for yourself, by yourself, you need to be responsible for how you live your life to the best of your ability given your available resources. So they're on a mission to get women moving and training in a way that supports whatever season or cycle they're in. This is super unique, guys. Everybody out there is going to their favorite podcasters and favorite biohackers and, you know, their Joe Rogan and all this stuff. And they're like, hey, this sauna thing sounds good or cold immersion sounds good or this alpha brain or whatever else. It all sounds good. Yes. But it's been tested for safety and efficacy in men. 
and for women who are taking it, it isn't being catered. Any of these programs, whether it's biohacking, exercise, whatever, haven't been catered to the time of your cycle, the phase of your life when you're adopting these new practices. So this is what BirthFit does. They help to cater it to the season of the year, to your individual cycle, perhaps your menopausal versus you know, trying to get pregnant. That's a totally different program. That's what BirthFit does so well. They offer nervous system supported general strength and conditioning, human movement foundations, core and pelvic floor basics to minimize the likelihood that you're going to have diastasis recti, that you're going to have a dysfunctional pelvic floor afterwards. Make sure you have adequate breathing patterns from start to finish in your pregnancy and beyond. This is a comprehensive prenatal training program. So if you're interested in learning about BirthFit, I think the best thing that they offer is their B community. And that's where fitness education and connection meet. What you're going to find within this monthly membership community is you're going to meet other women in the space, perhaps some of their partners. Everybody's going to be sharing insights. It's a collective conversation so that you have support from people who are like-minded, who've done their homework, who've had failures, and they don't want you to make those same mistakes. (laughs) There's just so much to this. I really can't say anything more. If you're wanting to embrace cyclical strength and conditioning before, during, and after your birth, the B community is for you. And fortunately, as a listener of the podcast, you can go to birthfit.com, use code BELOVED, and you're going to get your first month in the B community free. And then thereafter, it's 25 bucks a month. You're not going to want to cancel that membership. The team at BirthFit is hands down, one of a kind. I'm so grateful to have them, uh, to have their support for this show. All right. I have chatted enough. Those sponsor readings really get long, don't they? Thank you for sticking through. Without further ado, here is Amaya Shiva. We're talking all about Ayurvedic medicine. As I said before, this predates modern medicine. It's about 16,000 years old. So we're talking about almost 10 and a half thousand years older than modern medicine. And my math is off there, I realize. But the point is, is that this is really old. It's been well-validated through years, millennia of experience. Chinese medicine is about 6,000 years old, which still is so much more better validated than the stuff that we're doing in Western medicine, which is uh, puts you at war with nature. Ayurveda is about harmonizing with nature. And that's why I feel that this is such a valuable conversation. So Here's my conversation with Amaya Shiva. I hope you enjoy. All right, I'm here with my guest. She goes by Amaya Shiva. I don't even think that's her real name, but I'll have to ask her first and foremost. She's a practitioner of Ayurveda. Amaya, welcome to the show. Let's talk a little bit about your name first off. How did you get that name? I'm being cheeky here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was actually chosen with the support of my astrologer. There's this concept in Vedic astrology called Aruda Lagna. And this is how people perceive you. And some people in the world, like Tony Robbins and, you know, these kind of big name people, they might have that grace already. And there's a way to activate your impact by activating what is strong in your chart? What is the planet that will help you carry your message forward into the world? So we did this whole process of looking where all the planets are and what's the syllable associated. And then also like, what do I like? Because there's the fact of the Western tongue, not saying most Sanskrit words correctly. And I'm sensitive to that. 
So mm. so it was a name that was given to you based on your charting. And might as well just get into this because I definitely want to get into the history of Ayurveda, um, which is a very ancient practice, way older than you know what we call Western medicine, the right way to heal people, which is like maybe 500 years old, maybe. Even the practices, the empirical practices that we hold so dear actually were put into practice way before a bunch of like old European, you know, generally white people kind of said, hey, we have the right way to do healing. <laughs> Obviously, the texts of our more recent history were written by the victors and the Europeans dominated quite a few of the cultures. So we'll get into Ayurveda, but let's talk a little bit about astrology because you and I were kind of riffing on this a little. We love to talk about, I'm a cancer, and people are like, what is your sun sign? I didn't realize it was a sun sign until somebody asked me that. And I was like, oh, so astrology is based on the sun, which is a very masculine, very young sort of embodiment. So tell me a little bit about astrology from your lens through the Vedic traditions. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said, oh, it's based on the sun. Well, Western astrology puts a much greater emphasis on that. But I study Vedic astrology. And historically, like that is a very lunar science. Like all of the Hindu calendars are based on the solely lunar calendar. Looking at the cycles of the moon, all of the major festivals are based around that. And there are 27 lunar constellations versus like the 12 solar. And the thing that happens with Western astrology is people are like, oh, I'm a cancer. Like everybody born in this 30 days is the same person. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like, of course not. Like, look around. Perhaps you can create some similarities in your mind, but truthfully, like it's so much more nuanced than that. Like understanding where that planet is sitting in the chart, like the way we understand it, say you have the sun, like I do, sitting in the 10th house of career. Well, that's great for being an authority and, you know, people will respect you. But if you have that same planet in the 12th house, you're going to hate being recorded. You're going to hate being on stage. Like it's going to have a very different impact. So, you know, to say you're a cancer, I mean, you're probably not in Vedic astrology. You're probably something else, right? Like in, in Western. My whole life has been a lie. (laughs) It's been a lie. (laughs) So there's so much more to it. Right. And I think it's cute. I mean, any way that people can connect to nature, and the universe, even if it's a little confused, that's okay. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, it's not like any system has this all figured out. And getting into the sort of the history of oh, one thing I did want to mention is something that has occurred to me recently that there are 13 lunar cycles in the year. And therefore, women could expect to have 13 menstrual cycles. However, we have 12 months, which I think is a really interesting co opting in some way of the calendar system, which originally must have been far more steeped in nature, which in women being inextricably linked with nature for time in memoriam. It makes sense actually for us to be studying perhaps the lunar cycles along with the solar cycles. I know the Chinese calendar, because I'm a little bit more adept with the Chinese medicine sort of mm-hmm. paradigm. It's based on the lunar cycle. They call it like the luni solar calendar or something like that. And it's based on probably yeah. 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 Solely lunar. Solely so, lunar. lunar. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So anyways, that's just a quick aside. Ayurveda, you had mentioned that it's roughly 6,000 years old, which is really when Chinese medicine, and we're not talking about traditional Chinese medicine, we're talking about the OG Chinese medicine. It's a bit of a misnomer. It was roughly 6,000 years ago as well. But then you corrected me because I was like, it's probably a lot older than that, right? And you were like, well, what did you say? <laughs> well, I mean, it's basically Ayurveda is the nature of the universe, 
and how that applies to human life and living, right? Like the literal translation of Ayurveda is Ayur, which means life, and Veda, which is science or study of. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. It's a revealed system. It's not something that humans made up. Like we didn't make up gravity. Like it's been there the whole time. Nobody discovered gravity. That's an absurd concept, right? It's been there. Now somebody may have labeled it and presented it in a way that becomes digestible and useful, right? And that's what was happening with the Rishis and Seers. They were presenting this information in a way we can then apply to our daily lives so that we can experience the four aims of human life, which are dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Can you describe those four real quickly? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. So dharma is your contribution to society. And there's this kind of current obsession, like I have to get paid for my dharma. Sometimes if that's your karma, like you're lucky, but it might not be that for you. And so it can be as simple as singing for joy and sharing the beauty of your voice with people. So it's like your life purpose, sort of like, this is why I'm here, kind of? Yeah, it's your special sauce. It's your gift, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we've got Arta, which is how you make money. And again, there are like these conditions we look for in astrology to no, hey, can you make money off of your dharma or do you need to do something else? So we need a certain amount of wealth to survive and sustain ourselves and its importance, right? Because if you're struggling to meet your basic needs, well, how in the heck are you going to focus on your dharma? Right, right. You can't right. do shit. <laughs> 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 and then there is dharma artha kama, which is sex, connection, and intimacy, You know, it's so interesting that India has become such a sexually repressed culture because historically, this is where the Kama Sutra comes from, right? Historically, there was not this repression and you can kind of track Mughal invasions and how that created more sexual repression within that culture. But the truth is like, we need healthy sex. We need good sex. We need intimacy with friends. And then last moksha, like spiritual liberation, the connection to the divine, to that greater universal presence that connects us all so that we can really begin to live as universal beings and not just me, me, me. Yeah. In other words, how these four elements play out is really how you show up as this antenna between the earth and the cosmos. 1000%. And that's the way in which you evolve. I mean, I can tell you, you know, what people come to me for both as a coach, Ayurvedic practitioner and astrologer, it is so often, it's those things. It's those things like, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm successful in my career, but I don't feel fulfilled. Or I want more money in my career. Like these basic things occupy so much of the human mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole experience. Yeah. When people find these sort of like fad diets, as people have called them, you know, there's paleo and this and that. It's like, I eat an Ayurvedic diet. It's not really a shopping list of eat this and not eat this. This is actually a whole way of being and showing up in the world, which is a pretty stark difference between the shopping list. I'm not 
bashing paleo or anything. That's certainly how many people who are very healthy eat. It's yeah. more the, <laughs> like, how do you embody that in your life? Where if it's just a shopping list, you're kind of missing the point. You're lacking the intuitive side of it and the connection to the food and to the ground that gave you the food, etc. And it's so interesting. Like one of my favorite games is when I go out to eat, I just observe. I can see so much about what's going on for people just by watching them eat, right? Like the way people engage with their food, the way they engage with the people at the table, like you get this really pretty deep insight into how they're relating, how they're moving through their lives, and even how they're probably connecting intimately, like all from just how they interact with their food. Mm. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, what's coming up for me is I remember being at a wellness retreat recently and, you know, I'm watching, they have the spread of food there. And mm-hmm. I won't mention the name of the retreat because a friend of mine runs it, but <laughs> as we'll talk about, it was sort of like everybody's doing the same thing here. Everybody's going to eat the same food. Everybody's going to do the same activities during the same part of the day, no matter where you are in your cycle as a female or wherever we are in the seasons. doesn't matter where the moon is in the sky. We're going to do all the same things. We're going to jump in cold tubs. We're going to meditate. We're going to do yoga. They're like check boxes for healthy things you do. Yes. As you collect this bundle of things that we do to keep ourselves healthy, are we getting healthier? No, we're not. We're not like there's nobody out there who's living forever. And many people are actually going overboard with some of these things, and they're actually causing themselves other issues. So in just watching a person eat, let's actually talk a little bit about the doshas. Am I saying that right? You are saying that right. Mm -hmm. Is that a part of the lens that you kind of just see the world? Like you're seeing this body type, this dosha eat this way, this dosha eat this way. That's not the way that this body type generally is going to be best nourished. Is that kind of a part of this formula? Yes. Let's talk about that. It is, absolutely. And I just wanted to add one thing before we talk about the doshas. And, you know, I had this conversation with a friend recently who's a biohacker and he's like, oh, we figured out this way where we can like mimic fasting in your body, but you don't (laughs) actually have to fast. And I was looking at him and, you know, people are missing the point. Like the point of fasting is not just to create some metabolic, something in the mitochondria, metabolic state in the body. It's about spiritual practice of not letting the fear of hunger overtake you. It's about being able to feel calm in the face of discomfort, right? And what you're describing, this mechanistic, like hyper masculine ways of doing things, it's like, for what end? So that if you live that way, you're going to get to the end of the tunnel and you're going to realize, shit, I don't actually know how to relax or enjoy myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to be doing that the whole way. Consuming something at every moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So being reminded like happiness is a practice. Mindfulness is a practice. And it's something that if you're doing things to achieve those processes, how can you actually incorporate that into your every moment Mm. or as many as you can? Yeah. right? Right. Right. Yeah. Life is a practice. Everything is a ceremony and a practice at every moment. It can be. Or it doesn't have to be, but you're missing out on the opportunity for it to become a part of who you are and how you show up. Back to, again to the very beginning of our conversation, which is why I think I'm so drawn to your work and to just the Ayurvedic philosophy. Is that the right word? I suppose yes, it is. Yes, yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. Because it is, it's a paradigm, right? It's so much more than, like you said, just the diet. 
it's really about creating conditions for an optimal spiritual human experience, right? But without these, how do you create that insight, right? How do you create that peace? We have a term for it called swasta. And that's where swastika comes from, the same root, swa. It means to be established in self with a capital S, right? And this is the definition of health, right? To be established in self. It is not the absence of disease. It is not some blood test or optimal testosterone levels. No, it's like being rooted in, hey, I have a place here. I know what I'm doing. I have value and I receive value. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, that's basically my entire practice. It's not struggle for me. It's what I struggle for people to understand whenever they come to me with like, I got $500 worth of labs. Can you help me figure it myself out? And I'm like, well, why did you get the labs? I don't know. I mean, I'm doing really well, but I just want to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> I was like, well, are you okay? Like, do you feel okay? Yeah, I'm doing great. Like, yeah, you know, my relationships are great. I'm sleeping well and all this. Okay, so what if the labs said that your head was falling off? Would you believe it? <laughs> You'd be like, oh, shit. Oh, my God, my head. Somebody make sure it doesn't fall off. <laughs> That's stupid to me. You know, not stupid. It's just lacks a lot of insight. Well, it's conditioned mistrust. Yeah. Right. I couldn't possibly know if I'm okay. <laughs> no, it is. It's conditioned. We are conditioned to not believe our own bodies. We are conditioned that someone else that you meet for 15 minutes with the white jacket somehow knows more about what's right for you than your own intuition, right? And there are absolutely times where we need this system, where we need doctors and labs. And absolutely, I do not mean to say otherwise. And so many people, they're so out of touch with what their body is telling them. Like I do a lot of teaching. I have an e-course on gut health, like a gut health reset. And I teach people, how can you identify how well you are digesting? Okay. Here's what you do. You look at your tongue. Does your poop stink? Is it sticky and goopy? Okay. You're not digesting well these basics. And people are like, what do you mean your poop shouldn't stink? I'm like, dude, there are layers and numbers to the poop stink level. Like, <laughs> Yeah. If it's like making you gag when you break a fart in the living room, you have to leave the room because your wife is upset with you. You got a GI problem. Like <laughs> you, got you got a GI problem. It's the same as if like, if you're afraid of you always having bad breath and people are like, kind of like you get the sense somebody tells you and then you're walking around with bad breath all day. Like that is something that is wrong with it. It's a disruption in the balance of your microbiome and your digestive system. Totally. Like this guy yesterday, I go to Barton Springs all the time because I live in Austin Freaking and I love like Barton the Springs. Best, uh, yeah. The best place in the world. And this guy approaches me and he wants to create a whole series on Ayurveda with me. And he's talking about how people don't digest well and all this stuff. I can like smell his bed. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They call it halitosis or whatever. But I mean, all of those yeah. bugs are there to support you and your bugs are going to reflect what you're feeding the bugs and the bugs. We have, you know, bugs are bad. No, like you have got viruses, fungi, bacteria, protozoa. They're all over your skin in every orifice from your anus to your nose on your eyeballs. You've got them everywhere. You've got I to feel feed like them the right stuff. We should make a rhyme about that, like a children's <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> we should. I can be like my new intro theme music or something. Yeah, yeah. 
I get so tired of talking about this. Bugs in your eyes and bugs on your ass. <laughs> bugs in your cracks and bugs in the grass. In the grass. <laughs> yeah, my little daughter will love that one because she loves taking those little like ass and just you know or shit she'll say like oh shit oh shit as she's going up the stairs and i'm like she had to have learned that from me there's no yeah. way <laughs> she did not learn that from super simple songs in espanol on youtube it wasn't baby shark <laughs> it was, no, baby shark did not ta- teach her shit and ass no <laughs> one other thing i wanted to say i'm Good friends, a student of Paul Check. I was there at OBGYN. They've got this big practice in Southern California. And one thing that is really emphasized in that course that we didn't talk at all about in medical school was the quality of your bowel movements and how this might reflect some upstream issue. But yeah, I think you described it perfectly, especially the odor. Like it actually can almost, dare I say, almost be a pleasant smell when you have normal bowel movements. It's like an earthy smell. Like it reflects what's inside of you. And yes, it doesn't, it's not like something you want to smear all over yourself, but it is like, oh, that's a healthy poop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's like Ayurveda 2.0 is when you start actually smearing yourself with your own feces. I will not. No, that is not Ayurveda (laughs) 2.0. Though cow dung is used a lot in traditional medicines. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. I'm curious. Yeah. I don't know too much. There's so many medicinal preparations. Cow urine is like gold. Really? Gomutra. And it's used in a lot of traditional preparations. Like they'll soak these metallic preparations to remove impurities. Like nanoparticle technology existed thousands of years ago. And it's an Ayurvedic basma medicine. Wow. So So they're doing these like really complicated extractions using very simple technologies that we now have taken for granted as like the purview of science. But well, it is the purview of science, but not the science that we hold near and dear represented by big pharma and people in white coats nowadays. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your life and what your dosha type is. And then maybe use to illustrate, maybe talk about all three doshas and then talk about how your life might differ from a different dosha type based on how you characterize yourself. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how messed up I was before I found Ayurveda, because that's a pretty interesting story. I am a Pitta Vata person, but I've had a Vata imbalance for like most of my life right? I had no idea what was wrong with me. I was one of those people that like, I grew up in that age of like, oh, you know, you should have minimal fat and like salad is really good for you. And so I was eating that way and like really skinny and like exhausted all the time. But I'm like, it's cool. I'll just drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. Like that's really going (laughs) to make up for it. (laughs) So you know, I follow this lifestyle of being pretty fit and exercising regularly, but it was just like super drained. Like I felt like shit. And then I had chronic back pain that started when I was 14 and would leave me like unable to walk for a week of every month and just on and on and on it went. And it turns out that all of that was caused by eating and living a lifestyle that was not in alignment with my constitution type and that my back pain was caused by my poor digestion. I found this out. I had gone on this trip to India with my ex-husband and we were traveling to this Ayurvedic center, like not with the intention of getting any kind of Ayurvedic care, but just to go. We have this 
friend, Dr. Robert Svoboda. I don't know if you know who he is. No, I don't. Tell me a little bit more. He's the first Westerner to have graduated from a school of Ayurveda in India in 1981. Wow. Supremely interesting fellow. Like you should look him up. What's his name again? Robert Svoboda. Svoboda. Okay. That last name does kind of sound familiar. It's an unusual last name, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to look. Does, has he written a book specifically that I might recognize? Many. Okay. Many books. <laughs> Maybe that's where yeah, I saw yeah. it because people send me books all the time and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, am I going to read like, all of these? Like cool books about like the Agoris in India who are like the people that live in graveyards smearing ash on themselves. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Eating corpses and shit like that. Like wild stuff. So we were going to this hospital that he had linked us up with because we were going to go do a meditation retreat. I was married at the time. And we get there, like we had been on this train for two days, 102 degree fever, just like rattled around in second class in this gross brown leather bench in this Indian, you know, train car. Those train cars have not been updated (laughs) for a hundred years. Yeah. Or cleaned. (laughs) Yeah. And the toilets are like holes that just drop onto the tracks. I remember (laughs) it was always like the most entertaining part of the story. (laughs) You just poop onto the train track. You're like, Okay. <laughs> There's like, yeah, my stinky poopy policeman just splats down there. And you can imagine walking along the tracks because those trains are carrying like thousands of people back and forth between every city. So anyways. Oh, yeah. And so that's why you don't eat food at train stations because they sell like to-go stuff in these little tin containers and people walk up and down the tracks picking up oh, the used no. tins that have often touched people's poop. And then just rinse them out and reuse them? Is that the idea? rinsing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mr. Hygiene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we ended up at this Ayurvedic hospital and I told them about my health history because they looked at us and they were like, you white people must stay. (laughs) You're like, you're going to die if you keep traveling. So I told them about my back pain and they asked me about my digestion and I was like, y'all are tripping. Excuse me. Like my food, what am I eating? Cause I had done like, you know, physical therapy, PT, all the things and to very little success actually to try and solve this problem. Cause I'm not someone that just takes it, you know, I'll keep trying until I get to the answer, man, I left that hospital 90 days later after two weeks of treatment and three months of herbs, my back pain was 80% gone. Like something that had caused me to quit my band. Like I was a drummer in a metal band. I was training martial arts. I was doing all this stuff that I had to stop because I was in so much pain. I could barely bend over to put on a sock. Wow. And you just thought it was like back pain, like typical muscle or whatever. I had no idea what it was, but yes, I assumed it was muscular kind of thing. It was undigested food. It was no joke. What we call AMA undigested food that the gunk of which moved through the semi-permeable membrane of the intestines into a place there was space, which is what? Where's their space? Your abdominal cavity, I suppose. No? And your nerve endings, right? Oh, so you actually- the synapses. Get, oh, wow. Yeah. So basically all this undigested food was being pushed Centripetal force of the capoeira and all the, the martial art kind of stuff that I did being pushed into the deep tissues. And there was so much of it because I was such an unhealthy eater. Like I was eating tons of peanut butter and like a crappy vegetarian for a long time. And 
after 14 years of trying to solve that problem, to have it dissolve in 90 days, I was like, what is this? I'm going to go learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Then I went to Ayurveda school and I learned about the doshas. I learned about what my constitution type needs. I had been eating totally wrong, living the wrong lifestyle, living in this hyper-masculine, like I must achieve. If I'm in pain and menstruating, I'm still going to lift weights. Like this crazy, totally like dysfunctional way of being that didn't honor my body, my needs. It didn't honor that I need rest as a human being. You know, I I was making life very mechanistic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need to achieve X, Y, Z. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm going to graduate magna cum laude and don't talk to me. Don't breathe too loud in class because I'll murder you. I can't hear the teacher, you know, like this kind of like intensity, which is super pitta, right? By the way, (laughs) this is a. And that's your dosha is pitta. That's my dominant. I am pitta vata. So pitta is, we should just segue into the dosha since we're here. Pitta is fire and water. And Nathan, what are some examples of fiery water? Fiery water, hot tea, hot tea and coffee. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. Yep. Yes. Fireball, the, the cinnamon whiskey. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> More of that. More okay. of that. Uh-huh. Sake. I mean, I guess virtually fiery water. Oh, all of the spirits just burn as they're going down. Okay. Got it. Yes. <laughs> they burn. Pass the test. And you pass the test. <laughs> and what about gasoline? Very literally fiery water. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What about hydrochloric acid? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all fiery water. It right, it's this kind of uneasy volatility, right? Because fire and water don't inherently mix, but we can make them. And in a balanced state, you know, pitta people are very, very kind of book smart, very good at leading, very good at getting things done. And in an out-of-balanced state, they're like. They're hot-headed. They're temperamental. Like, you do not take a road trip with these people unless you have snacks to calm them down. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because that- Juice box me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. Like, the fiery water component also creates excess hunger when it's out of balance. And PMS, PMS and PMDD, these are classical pitta imbalances. That's it. So these are the high metabolizers. Like they're running around on jet fuel all day long. Whether or not they had coffee doesn't really matter. They're still going to be kicking it. But they take the coffee anyways because now they can be ultra jet fueled. Is that exactly. kind of it? Okay. You nailed it. I'm yep. speaking from experience, I suppose, that I'm pretty pitta. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, who's spying on me? Was she yeah, in the right. Back? <laughs> is she, was she in my bedroom last night watching me? Because that sounds like me, totally. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. All right. So let's go back just a tad. You found this Ayurvedic way of healing through your own journey. You're in the hospital in India. You remember what city you were in by any chance? Oh, yeah. We were in Coimbatore. Coimbatore. Is that one of the southern cities or in the north? It's Coimbatore and it's in the south. I believe that is in Tamil Nadu. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We were not actually in the city. We were at a center called Vaidyagrama. Kind of off in the country. Yeah, they have their own. It's very beautiful, like hospital, Ayurvedic hospital, very different connotation. Okay. It's not like this sterile white room where your weird lights and things are beeping. It's like natural. You're getting up with the sun. There's 
cows walking around, you're doing puja every day, you're following this Ayurvedic lifestyle, you know, it's a very different. What's puja? Ah, puja means ritual or ceremony. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that's kind of what I was actually going to ask you is, what was it like to be in an Ayurvedic hospital? Because everybody thinks of these sterile, sort of bright lights, lots of beeping and all of that. And your circadian rhythms are out of whack. You're getting your blood stuck at 3 a.m. just so the doctor can have it when he runs at 6.30 before he's in the operating room or whatever. This sounds very, very different. And I'm wondering, did they determine what your dosha was just by like asking you a couple questions? Or were they able to like almost sort of intuitively say, this is a pitta dominant right here, like just how you show up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's both. It's definitely both. Like I can see, like, for example, you are pitta dominant. I would guess secondarily vata from looking at you. And then confluence is everything in medicine, right? And in life. So asking questions about, well, what are your concerns? Okay. How is that manifesting? So like that. Okay. Okay. And then they're bringing you a diet based on beta. I think the Ayurvedic system does the best job of helping you reharmonize with your surroundings versus adding something external that overhauls your physiologic processes to get an outcome that may or may not have been actually what your body needed. So first off, do you agree with that sort of summary? Because I've tried my best. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, good job. (laughs) So they're bringing you foods that are specific to your dosha type and also to your specific clinical needs. But that's all a part of it is not just everybody gets the same meal every day. Well, in panchakarma settings, there's sattvic food. There's a type of food that is good for all dosha types, no matter who you are. So that's what they are making and serving everybody. So it's very simple foods, minimal spice, depending on, you know, your unique condition, you're going to be drinking ghee, like drinking ghee until you pee droplets of oil. Yes. Because look, it's the difference between scrubbing a pan with cold water and a Brillo pad, or just adding hot water and soap and and letting it sit for a while and kind of, you know, this is what ghee is doing when you take it in a certain way before Ayurvedic treatment of panchakarma. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I know that these are elementary questions, but this is why I have people on the show. I have no idea. I've got several books and I refer to them, you know, once in a while, but my understanding of the Ayurvedic sort of philosophy is really grounded in the chakra system and whatnot. But that's not really a part of your Ayurvedic practice, is it? No. Not at all. We don't really talk about the chakras at all in the Ayurvedic classical texts. Okay. Yeah. Not that I've read. Okay, cool. There we go. Now I know. I mean, I made the same mistake when I had a woman who does, she has an authentic Tantra school. And of course, immediately we go to like sexual Tantra, Tantric sex and, you know, Osha's work. And yes, that's a part of it. But even Tantric massage is not classically part of the original Tantra. The massage was developed as a sort of response to the earlier works. Like, hey, maybe we could apply these principles in touch, but it was not a part of the original kind of schematics. So, okay, awesome. All right, so we've got Pitta. What are the other two doshas before we take a quick little break? Yeah, yeah. So there's Vata. And this is the more slender kind of body type, like your classical, like airy, fairy, you know, up in the clouds kind of person thin. They don't tend to sit down and eat. They're just kind of snacking. And this is the dosha with the least kind of stamina and energy. 
right? These are the people that need to be more mindful, that get to sit down and eat their food with some awareness. It's this dosha type that does pretty well with a little bit of meat. Like I rarely recommend veganism or at least have some ghee if this is you, right? And then we've got kappa, which is earth and water, right? So vata dosha is ether and air, which is like there's oh, no substance to it. Yeah. 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 It's like the floating Floating stuff. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it rules movement, right? In the body, like movement of food, movement of ideas, expression, singing, talking. These are all very vata activities. Now, kappa is... It's interesting in the West, people always want to be skinny, the skinniest, but in Ayurveda, like it's having a little bit of like fat and juice to, you know, junk in your trunk that helps you stay looking young and youthful, right? It's like the people that have like permanently chubby cheeks, they never get wrinkles, right? (laughs) That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of like fat. There's a lot of padding substance to fill that space in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And these are actually like the natural athletes, like cup of people. They're naturally very good dancers. You know, they'll be a little heavier set. They won't get the same like muscle definition as pitta people, like pitta people look the fittest and strongest, you know, cause they're also like the crazy ones. Like we're like, I'm going to train eight hours yeah. a day. So yeah. <laughs> I need an 18 pack. Like this is so pitta, right? This is so pitta, but cup of people, they're just naturally more chill. They're the natural, you know, they have big loving eyes. They just kind of, they're that person you always want to hug. They're just so soft and delicious to put your arms around. (laughs) Yeah. You can just like melt into them. Yeah. Yeah. How does this play out in relationships? I'm curious. Like if two pittas are together, obviously the dynamics might be like they can go to the gym and have fun or whatever together. But is there something in Ayurveda that talks about how we relate to between doshas? Oh my God, 1000%. And that is so cool that you picked up on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that bright, but I'm bright enough (laughs) to put the square peg in the square hole. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. I did it. You did it. No, that's a great question. And absolutely, like a pitta and kappa person can be a great match, right? Because kappa is so chill. They're not going to be perturbed by the like, especially an out of balance pitta, they'll be able to take it a little bit more. Whereas like vata people can be more sensitive. And so just depending, you know, if it's balanced or out of balance, like, you know, a pitta person might be pushing them to do things they don't actually have the energy for. So ideally we like to pair like kappa with pitta or kappa with vata like this. Yeah. This is not the reality of, you know, relationships. But if it can happen, it's pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Well, I want to now, in the second part of this conversation, I definitely want to get into how we can apply this now to the specific needs of women, because I think I have a great idea now. Like, I want to study Ayurveda through and through at this point. Yes, yes. Let's take a quick pause here for a sponsor, and we'll come right back. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Amaya Shiva. If you're appreciative of the role of directed supplementation and using gentle remedies to get your health back on track, I don't think that there's a better supplement company with such a breadth of products that I trust in than Bioptimizers, who's fortunately another company that's fully in alignment with my program, with my services, and I'm so grateful to have them on as a longtime running sponsor of the show. 
There are three products that I think you should know the most about. The first is, if you're going to have a big burrito meal tonight, you want to make sure that you're digesting that and you're not getting these crazy spikes in your insulin. So there's the first product I want to mention by Optimizers is blood sugar breakthrough. I take two capsules if I'm going to have sushi, if I'm going to have a meal where there's a lot of rice or some bread or whatever, I want to make sure that my blood sugars don't get spiked and remain spiked for too long of a period of time. This helps bring those blood sugars down. So for a lot of my fertility clients, this is definitely one of the supplements that I recommend first. The second is magnesium breakthrough. I take two capsules of magnesium breakthrough about 30 to 45 minutes before I go to sleep when I'm working very, very hard, even into the evening. And this helps kind of reset my clock so that when I'm ready to go to bed, I can ease into sleep without any issue. I wake up feeling non-drowsy, non-groggy. It's not like other sleep aids. It's just such a clean, beautiful supplement that Wade Lightheart and his team at Bioptimizers have put together. Those are the first two. The third would be P3OM. P3OM is a powerful probiotic. It's safe in pregnancy. It's safe in really any part of your life. And I travel with it. I use it anytime. I'm having some food that you know typically might give me a little bit of indigestion based on, I don't know, maybe it's like a taco truck or something like that where perhaps I have to worry a little bit about hygiene or whatever else. But man, it's so good. I definitely want to have it. If I'm traveling through airports and whatnot, people are sneezing on me and on, you know, in these close, confined spaces, I get a little stomach bug, pop some P3OM, and feel better than, <laughs> better than new the next day. Bioptimizers has a full lineup, so many different supplements, and I'm super grateful that they're continuing to sponsor the show. Show them a little bit of love by going to bioptimizers.com slash holistic OBGYN. If you use code BELOVED, you'll save 10%. And if you make a purchase between the 21st and the 29th of November, which is coming up, you'll save 25%, which is huge. So go stock up, get yourself five bottles of each. You're going to use them. Just get them now while you can get a discount. And then you don't have to feel as bad about paying to take care of yourself. Imagine that. All right. Let's now get back to my conversation with Amaya Shiva. All right, Amaya, we've been talking about the doshas. And I think now it's a good time. We've got our foundation laid out. Let's talk a little bit about the menstrual cycle, because all of my clients are female for the most part. There are some clients that are male. And sometimes I have couples that come to me and we talk about libido, sex drive. We'll talk about that at the very end. But let's talk about the menstrual cycle and how you view the menstrual cycle perhaps as an indicator of health issues and how we might view, I don't know, the lifestyle throughout the cycle and maybe some even ramifications of abnormalities in the cycle and how we might remedy that, so to speak, by providing the body with the right resources. Absolutely. Yes. Beautiful. So let's begin with the menstrual cycle, as you were saying. So Ayurveda is really looking at everything through these three doshas and menstrual cycle is no exception, right? Vata, right? This principle of air and ether is also the principle of death and decay, right? Like we die in the Vata phase of life when all the juice is kind of dried out and it rules the actual menstruating part of the cycle. Like when you are having your period, this is the Vata time. Now, remembering in the beginning of the conversation or a little bit ago, you know, we talked about how Vata is a little bit more delicate, right? It's air and ether. It's the wind. Like you can literally move, you can move wind just by, by blowing on something. You've created a wind disturbance. And 
in this phase, it's the time to rest and be gentle, right? It's the time to go within, especially the first two days. You know, after that, as long as you're not bleeding too heavy, we're not too picky, but this is the time to just let the flow come out. And we actually recognize kind of five vectors of movement within the body, but the most important one is called apana. And if you've spent time in yoga communities, you know, you'll hear this word, the apana. This is the down and out flow. And it's sensitive, right? Like don't mess with the apana. When it goes the wrong way, it creates like mental tension and disturbances. So in this time, we start to embody these vata balancing practices, right? Of eating gentle foods of, you know, it's not the time to go to CrossFit class. Like, Mm -hmm. can you just let yourself chill? Just chill, yeah. Mm. Chill, right? And we also recommend not cutting your nails or hair in this time. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. And is that just because like, this is not a time to cut the nails to stimulate growth. We're going to just let everything be and recrystallize before we start shaking things up again. Mm-hmm. 1000%. And some texts talk about like, you know, if you do these things, your child will have bone issues. I can't speak too much to that because I haven't personally studied and observed that pathway, but it is written about. So that's interesting. And then, you know, kappa. What is kappa? Remembering kappa is earth and water. It's like the juiciness, right? It's the time you're building up, you're preparing, your body's getting ready for ovulation. The endometrium is proliferating, you know, you're just getting juicier all over. So this is the time you can increase kappa type of foods, right? You can add these estrogenic compounds if you want, like if you eat tofu, that kind of thing can be useful. Yams, shatavati herb. And then we've got pitta. Now, pitta is ruling ovulation until menstruation, right? And this is where we see the PMS problems. This is where the pitta is increasing, right? It's just getting higher and higher. So if you're a woman who's struggling with irritability, you're like, I'm psycho <laughs> before I have my period. This is why, because the dosha is building up, right? It's building, it's building. And if there's too much of it, it's like when you have a hose and you turn it all on full blast, but like you block the end and then it's like whipping around like crazy, right? This is the pitta time. The so this PMS, is near PMDD. ovulation. We're going through that follicular phase. Now we're at the point where you're about to pop out an egg. Yeah. This is where we're most enhanced. Okay. Yes. And that continues. Well, that's where it starts to come in. That's where it starts to be triggered because, you know, fire, like I'm hot for you, right? That's the pitta. It's the fire component. So that increases. So I'm perpetually ovulating. You're perpetually (laughs) ovulating. (laughs) Oh my God. It's another t-shirt. I'm perpetually ovulating. Yeah. Perpetually (laughs) ovulating. Oh my God. That's a niche market for sure. (laughs) The holistic OBGYN where you can perpetually ovulate. Yeah. (laughs) So we're looking at these three doshas in the cycle and you can start to understand your imbalances, right? Like your period should not be painful. Isn't that a concept? And it's become so normalized to have discomfort, but that's really a sign that something else is off. Yeah, it's common, but not normal. 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you. That's the distinction I was looking for. So if you are having cramps, you know, in Ayurveda, pain is caused by two things. One, it's blockage of flow. And two, deterioration of the tissue. That's it on a very base level. It's those two things. And most actually, if you look at pain pathology, you can classify it as one of those. So you can start to look at your own menstrual cycle and say, oh, oh, for example, I'm having a lot of like thick discharge. You know, I'm dealing with this and it's like, it's kind of freaking me out. It's like excessive and it's clumpy and lumpy. This is a very cuppa type problem. So then you get to ask the person, well, you know, or ask yourself, am I eating a lot of dairy? Am I eating a lot of wheat and red meat? Do I exercise? Because all of these factors, like if you're kind of couch potatoing and eating heavy foods, it creates these heavy conditions in the body. And similarly, you can look at something like, oh, your vagina is dry. Like you don't have much lubrication. Like, oh, okay. Well, what is your diet like? Oh, well, I eat, you know, kale and brown rice. And like, I love rice cakes, (laughs) like all this dry, crunchy food. So getting the opportunity to start to make the correlations with the doshas and some of these common disorders people have around the cycle, like out of abnormal functioning. And it's so powerful because it's something you can start to self-regulate on your own. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of female clients that come to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. You're not doing, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you explain. No, I was going to say, I mean, I don't actually work so much as an Ayurvedic practitioner anymore. I've shifted into master coaching because what I was getting so much of and seeing is this trauma and stress. And these were the root cause of some clinical model was like, no, this isn't going to work anymore. So I work in tandem with a wonderful clinic that I will send people to when they have these types of conditions. It's where I trained, where I studied my mentor. He's fabulous. Okay. That's amazing. Well, we'll talk about where people can go to actually study this because I'm already thinking like, well, I'm enrolled right now in anthroposophic medicine and I'm studying yoni steaming. I'm studying biogeometry. I'm going to continue in the Czech Institute. Why not just add on a whole nother discipline to become comfortable with? I do use the books and I try to help people navigate their diet and whatnot. There's that book. There's a really famous postpartum book because we just, you know, as you know, we've had two little girls over the past couple of years. And there's a book called The First 40 Days, which is actually an Ayurvedic, sort of roughly Ayurvedic way of eating in the postpartum, you know, roughly 60 days or so after. Well, it's called The First 40 Days, but I always tell people extend it further. And it is somewhat sort of like, it seems like common sense when you actually see how the foods are put together and whatnot. I think that what's hard for me, and now that I know you can just take people, you know, and help them out through Ayurveda, I'm just, you're now my Ayurvedic consultant. Sorry. Perfect. You just won the job and you didn't even apply. (laughs) You know, I think that what I become challenged by is that this requires a great deal of effort to really, really break apart what a person's cycle is like because everything now has been normalized. Yeah, my periods are normal. My whatever's normal. And then you find out when you really start asking, like, is it painful at all? Oh yeah, it's it's like a five out of 10, but like, who doesn't have that? And you're like, 
You're right. A lot of people have that, but that is not like, it's not normal. So it's really hard to even glean the details sometimes from a careful GYN history, unless you're asking the specific questions. So when you work with female clients, I may be, you know, minimizing Ayurveda, but is it as simple as, okay, I'm seeing this issue during your follicular cycle. Let's supplement with this now. And let's see if your follicular phase, you know, is a little bit easier or more importantly, the luteal phase. Maybe we can boost your progesterone with these herbs. Is it that simple or is it more of like, let's redesign your entire life? Just curious. No, I mean, I keep it to the former. Like, let's keep it doable. Because if you give people an entire system, like here's this holistic 10,000 year system and you need to memorize it in one hour. They're they're never going to come back. They're going to be like, that bitch is crazy. Like <laughs> she, tried to, she tried to make me do all these things. No. So the point is that everything has to be digestible, not just our food, but the information that we give people. Right. So how do we make it doable? And it's really about like, it's that 80, 20, what is the 20% of change that you can make that will impact the 80% of your life? So is it that simple? It sure can be. Now, sometimes you know, people have been living out of balance for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life. It will take some time to correct. And we do it one step at a time. You do it in a way that like, let's get some results for you so that you have belief in this. Because if you don't see any change, you're not going to be inspired to keep going, right? So let's get something that moves the needle and then you'll be inspired. You'll have the right faith to create these bigger changes in your life. Right. Right. I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about the, we talked about, you know, the exercise patterns, you know, obviously hydration, sleep, mindset, everything is a part of your daily sort of care package of how to care for yourself. We talked about exercise. What about through the lens of these doshas, what might a woman who's Googling right now, what dosha am I? You know, they're trying to figure it out. What advice might you give them that would be specific to their dosha around the menstrual cycle? And that could relate to either the follicular or the luteal phase, ovulation or menstruation. What advice do you have for them? Well, you know, there's a lot of research that's been coming out around what is the best time to exercise when our hormone levels at their highest. And you can follow that. Anybody can follow that. Meaning like, and using Ayurvedic terminology, right? When the kappa phase, this post-menstruation up to ovulation, because we break it down slightly differently than the West does. This is the time where you should have more energy naturally. Now, if you don't, we have to look at that, but this is the time to like, where you can go for it. And then as Pitta increases, especially towards the end of the cycle, you're slowing it down, right? Everybody can follow this. Like you're doing more gentle stuff, more Vata kind of gentle swimming, gentle walking, taking care in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. So in other words, the same principles can be applied regardless of your dosha. It's just going to be a slightly different experience throughout. Does one particular dosha type tend to have, I don't know, more issues with fertility or a a propensity for menstrual issues in general? Yep. 1000%. Yeah. It's vata and pitta types. Like kappa, so 80% of disorders are vati is juiciness, right? And vata people kind of don't have as much juice. (laughs) 
And that can be something as simple as, you know, your vaginal lubrication is not enough to create like a nice pathway for sperm to swim through. Like if you're so dried out, right? That fertility has many layers beyond just like, am I producing an egg and this is my sperm? Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's a very important clarification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it is the Vata types. And then there's also the lifestyle component that is also a part of fertility. And Pitta people tend to be more driven and they won't want to have kids as soon, oftentimes. Mm. Mm. Right, right, right. They want to get their advanced degrees and they want to continue doing Ironman distance triathlons. And then yeah. someday they might feel ready. But then at that point, yeah. they're in their 40s and it's like, I'm ready now. I'm Everything's in order. I'm super organized. I've got my <laughs> pins in all the right places. Huh. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that if a person has a specific dosha type, their dominant dosha, but they're living a lifestyle, like let's say they're, you said it's kappa, that generally they're calmer and cooler, maybe a little bit softer and just slow down a little bit and give me that long embrace. That's the kappa kind of, so that essence would be that not the type of person like me who's like, let's go to the gym and let's rip it out. So if they, for some reason, were inspired by TikTok to go and start crushing it at the CrossFit gym, But their type, their dosha type is actually not that, you know, I'm using loose language here. Is that mismatch actually this sort of process by which disease develops because you're out of alignment with your type or is it more of a personality thing, the dosha classification? That's a great question. So it depends. That's the thing with Ayurveda. There's very rarely one answer for everything. For the kappa person, they actually need some external motivation, like a little extra fire, but then they're like a freight train. It's like to get a huge train moving, it takes a lot of like that initial kind of like, oh, chugging along. Okay, okay, okay. Now there's speed and like, oh my God, you can't stop that thing. Like there's so much power behind it, but it's that initial, right? Like, so for them, they have the fire or I mean the fuel rather to have that lifestyle exercise and emitting a lot of energy. And one of my favorite analogies is candles for the doshas, right? So Vata is like this little tea candle where it's so cute, but you light it and then it burns out pretty quickly and it needs a nap, you know, it's like, I'm done. (laughs) Pitta is like the medium votive. Like it thinks it can go all night. It's like, my fuel's never going to run out, but then it does you know, a few hours later and that's fine. And then kappa is like that mother Mary candle that burns for like two days. Yeah. The Virgin of Guadalupe, (laughs) the vulva, saint of the vulva. Exactly. And those votive candles last like 15 years. (laughs) They do. Yeah. So that's how we can understand the energy, the, the inherent energy of each dosha type, right? And then you can apply that understanding to things like the menstrual cycle, to things like exercise. Okay, I am naturally this vata type. So hmm, what's going to support me? Well, I think some yoga, like that kind of stuff is going to be better until I get to a state of balance or I've built up my kappa and I'm more robust or I'm pitta. Ooh. I've been real feisty lately. And, you know, I have been going to CrossFit like five days a week, but like, I'm kind of, maybe I'm getting a little uptight in that, you know, I need to go to yoga nidra 
I need to go like, just go to Shavasana for an hour, right? Just noticing what's present in your life so that you can apply the opposite, right? Because at its core, Ayurveda is a science of using opposites to balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it keeps coming up for me. Like it's so similar to Chinese medicine where we're treating a deficiency here, not by isolating the supplement here. We're actually just going to try to balance some of that yin into yang or yang into yin, whichever one's in excess. And they do eventually become one another as the yin-yang symbol suggests. But this idea of balancing out, it just sounds so much more gentle than let's take this pill to make your kidneys or your heart do this thing. I'm just so much more drawn to that. Yeah. It's interesting, like your initial question, you know, you were like, so say someone comes to you with this disorder and then you can just tell them what supplement you give. Like this is a kind of conditioning. Yeah. Like, yes, herbal supplements are magical. I make them, I use them. And, you know, there's a bigger picture that we always get to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the supplementation that we were talking about this early, like getting the $500 labs. And a lot of the functional lab doctors out there, the functional medicine docs is what they call themselves. All they do is they pepper you with blood draws and urine studies and all this. And they send it off to the lab. The lab comes back and it shows you're high or low in these things or normal. And if you're low, your body works. Like you're not just low (laughs) on fluids and then you like your car, you tap up the fluids. There is a bigger picture here, not to mention, why are those things low in the first place? You're not lacking Thorn Supplements or whatever that company is, their standard process yes. or whatever else. Like yes. People go broke yes. on that when they could actually just find somebody who's going to take a truly holistic approach. Holistic. Holistic. What does holism mean to you? I'm curious. Like, What's your definition? When I think of that, hmm, gosh, can you define something like that in a sentence? Well, at Beloved Holistics, my practice is steeped in a whole person approach to caring for you. You are not just an automobile, as Rene Descartes and his cronies all perhaps made you believe, based on some very nice essays. But if you're just a (laughs) physical body, we're missing out on the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the human experience. So holism to me means that a part of a system cannot exist independent of the system and the system cannot exist independently of that part. So Ooh. you are far more than the sum Finishing of your well. Okay. <laughs> Why fix it if it ain't broke? Like that was beautiful. So you're a former smoker, <laughs> you're an Ayurvedic master, and you're a copycat. Got it. Okay. I think yes! we have that title of our episode. <laughs> All of those things. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Amaya, I've, since we were talking a little bit about desire and libido, I've got your Ooh. lust, your lust here. I'll Ooh. show it to everybody on the camera. You, you were nice enough to send me these. And since I just had a vasectomy, I told you I am trying to minimize lust <laughs> because we have to wait until the semenalysis comes back. But we've got our jar here. Tell me what this is and like, what are we doing here with this? How could this possibly help with libido? And I know it mm. probably has something to do with doshas and perhaps... I don't know, uh, what would you call them? Um, Disorders of sexual interest or sexual arousal or whatever. So talk to me. Yeah. Well, ooh, this is really interesting. So herbs that have the qualities of being heavy and oily are aphrodisiac in nature, right? Yeah. So we're talking, it's ashwagandha, right? Which 
I don't know. What is ashwagandha known for in the West? It's like, what do people take it for? They take it for anxiety and for sleep and those types of things. Yeah. Which is beautiful, but it's also known for giving the virility of a horse, right? Just saying. And then Shatavati <laughs> is in that mix, which translates to she who has 100 husbands. This is good for both men and women. Yeah. Okay. I would have said it Shatavari. So Shatavari. No, it's Shatavari. Yes. Shatavari. And when you say it that way, it sounds so beautiful. Shatavari. And the way you were saying kappa made my like pitta so happy. Like <laughs> great A. Yes. Because you'll hear kapha, which is incorrect. There's no fa sound in Sanskrit, but whatever, like that even matters. So it's basically the, this combination of herbs that's working to not only increase your libido, tribulus terrestris, it's called horny goat weed in the West. Horny right? goat weed. Yeah. Tribulus. Horny goat is. weed. Yeah. yeah. But how it's different than most libido enhancers is that it's working on the tissues that are depleted that cause then low libido, right? Back to the root cause. Yeah. Back to the root cause. So I don't want to just give someone tribulus if they're debilitated, if they're vata type constitution, they don't have the strength, right? So this is really doshically building up pitta and vata. Kappa are the people that, who get to like have the most sex from the Ayurvedic perspective. Like they can pretty much do whatever. <laughs> but Pitta and Vata people have to be a little more careful, right? A little more discerning. So all of these herbs are supporting balanced Pitta and Vata in that way. Mm, mm, okay. Well, we will try it and we will definitely get back to you. I wonder if some of these herbs, so I mentioned oysters, sort of like threw that in there, but one of the, you know, classically oysters or aphrodisiacs and all this. And when you look at actually the nutrient density of oysters, it's almost unbeat. It's like organ meats, fermented cod liver oil, maybe some bone broth and some oysters. And you have like a full recipe for balancing out a whole bunch of different things. But specifically for my male fertility clients that I mentioned, I get the couple there. We do the semen analysis. And again, it's typical to have a very low sperm count compared to 100 years ago. But if it's like 15 million nowadays, it's like, oh, it's in normal range. But 100 years ago, it was like 100 million sperm per ejaculate. So you can tell it's like a 10% chance of finding an egg compared to 100 years ago. And it's not only just the number of sperm, it's also how are they swimming? One flagella swimming in the right direction, et cetera. So I get them eating oysters because it supports their spermatogenesis, the development of healthy sperm, but they are also aphrodisiacs. So there's this strange overlap here between the uses of oysters. I'm wondering, do you think something like this would also be helpful perhaps for male factor infertility? Do you have any idea? Or maybe you could look it up and let me know. I don't have any idea. That's something I could research. I'm on my second research project with Los Alamos National Labs, actually. And right now we're looking at how traditional Ayurvedic herbs impact the gut microbiome, but that could be a great third project. Yeah. There are ways than just go buy oysters, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's such a big picture question too. And the other thing that I provide and I'm building assets around is erotic archetypes. Like what's your erotic blueprint? Do you know how to ask for what you enjoy sexually, right? Or are you just like 
expecting it to be like this movie that you saw when you were like 14. It's it been imprinted upon you and you're just going to automatically like have this crazy chemistry. And if you don't, well, you should probably just get divorced because right. fuck right. it. Right. Someone's like, going to pin you up against the shower door every <laughs> single night in just crazy hardcore lust. Like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let your so, freak flag fly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is the expectation. Like they don't realize that intimacy is also something you put effort into, like building an awareness of what you like, asking for it. I, mean, I always joke that lust stands for let us stay together right? Like let's actually put energy into connection. Let's talk about what we like. Let's have those weird conversations. Like, you know, tell me about your freaky desires or tell someone else about them. And it's this bigger picture. And, and the last thing I want to add about that is we're also going to be giving 1% of profits to organizations in India that supports girls who are vulnerable to being sex trafficked. To oh, gender which side. Is huge over in India, especially. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And sexual perversion comes from sexual repression. So, one of these questions I'm starting to ask myself is how can I, <laughs> oh my God, and this is such a huge thing to tackle, but how can I start to bring this awareness into places like India that have been so repressed and there's so much abuse happening? And how can we be bold and share openly? in this country as well, right? Because this is what will actually protect young boys and girls from abuse. This is what will create outlets for people's repressed sexual energy. Because this is such a big thing. We all come from sex, but it's just not talked about in an open enough way. Is Ayurveda still the, like at every level of society is still like, yeah, Ayurveda is the way to go. And we also have Western medicine or is it reversed where Ayurveda used to be the big magical, like it was not only the folk healers, but it was also the high society members, you know, of the, you know, big cities and whatnot who were utilizing it. Where does it fall now? And maybe where was it, how has that changed over the years? Beautiful. Well, there's a resurgence happening now of Ayurveda. However, during British occupation and invasions of India, this knowledge was definitely suppressed. There's been this kind of West is best mentality, especially in upper class India. There is starting to be a shift like Narendra Modi. He was much more into Ayurvedic medicine and yoga and having the politicians in power that are speaking to that has been very supportive to that revitalization. But so many things in India, I don't even like that word, India, in the land that we call India, that so many kingdoms and cultures were being repressed. And you do still see it a lot, like traditional practices like abhyanga, the self-oil massage. You'll see grannies like with the babies, like out just rubbing their backs. And there is, of course, a cultural component of Ayurveda that you see. And classically, Ayurveda was a rich man's medicine. And this is so interesting. In the Charak Samhita, which is one of the Brihatrayi or great three texts of Ayurveda, The ideal client is described as wealthy, right? The ideal client is described as wealthy. Isn't that interesting? Because it is an investment. You know, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on my Ayurvedic treatments. And to me, because health 
is my greatest wealth. Like it's absolutely worth it. It does require resources. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's a touch of this, a sliver of why I asked that question was, you know, people don't realize that India was under British rule. It was essentially a changing entirely of the landscape of Indian culture in some ways. Like cities were renamed. When I was in India, I remember I was in a city called Chennai, which was recently renamed Chennai, but it had been known as Madras, which was the name given by the British. And then the people you know, of India, especially in Chennai, decided, you know what, we're in 1996, somewhere in there, they were like, we're going to rename it its original name, because that was the British colonizer's name for this. And so when a country, a country, right, it's continent. so much more than a country, it's a continent in and of itself, yeah. When it goes through such radical shifts, I always just wonder, as these colonizers go in and start changing the language and start trying to mess with the politics and the religious traditions and renaming their cities. I mean, good Lord, were these traditions kind of just passed along through maybe the folk healers and whatnot? That's kind of like what I'm imagining because they probably, the British had a better way of doing everything, I'm sure, in their eyes. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) No, you're right. That is how things were being passed along. And there are these kind of vestiges, like these little hot spots in India where people would flee invaders. And one really interesting place is like Puri, for example, which is on the Eastern coast. And a lot of people fled there practicing traditional arts. It's not known so much for Ayurveda, but even astrologers like, or these spiritual lineages would go there because it's in the jungle. Like nobody wants to deal with the jungle. So they'd go hide there. Or in Southern India, there's the Ashtavaidya tradition. So there are eight branches of Ayurveda and Ashtavaidya is someone who was born into a lineage of Ayurveda. They are, they start studying at age four and to even be considered for like higher level studies, they have to memorize this whole book called the Ashtanga Hridayam, right? And then maybe we'll let you be a student. So it's very different. And a lot of these people diversity in the face of persecution. And thank God. Amazing. Well, Amaya, I hope that we're friends for a long time because you have such a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) I feel like you're like my soul sister from another life or something. We're nerds. (laughs) I haven't laughed that much on a podcast for a while. So thank you for just keeping things light over here. Tell everybody, first off, before we even get into your products, please also If anybody's interested in studying Ayurveda, what would be the best way for them to do that? Asking for a friend. (laughs) Asking for a friend. Well, it depends on how deep you want to go. So there are a couple schools. I'll tell you where I went to school. I studied at the Ayurvedic Institute, which is now shifted from Albuquerque. They're moving to Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Man, Asheville's mm-hmm. attracting a lot of that type of stuff. I know. Yeah. It's, I want to go there too. There's, an like, eighth, not... uh, there's like an eighth generation Chinese medicine practitioner there that everybody flocks to. And it's like cool. Asheville of all places. But anyways, yeah. sorry, go ahead. So there's that program, which is, that's a, I believe they have a two-year program. I did their two-year program plus a clinical internship that they were then offering. I don't know what that's like now. However, if you want to go deep into traditional after that, I highly recommend the Arogya Center in Albuquerque. Yeah, This is like 
you're going to learn Sanskrit and you're going to chant from the texts and you're going to become the Ayurvidya, which Vidya means knowledge. And like you can actually do spiritual practice to these art forms like Ayurveda and Jyotish so that these beings, this energy, the spirit will just gift you the answers. It will tell you what's wrong with people. It will tell you the solution, right? You become a vessel for something divine and so much greater than just your limited ego and human framework. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are people out there that want to go really deep. They're pittas like us. Yes. Well, gosh. Okay. Well, I'll have to put that. That'll be my 2023 sort of thing. <laughs> I saw your like your fantasy. You're like, yeah. Wow. You see, <laughs> you see me like flying off into outer space, and I'm like, I'm gonna be one of those someday. And it's like, good lord, dude. Can you just be a dad and a husband? And yeah. I a bet podcaster? you're. We'll have to do like a little reading for you sometime. I'd be so curious. I have some ideas about what I think your ascendant is. We'll have to check that okay. out for sure. All right. We'll yeah. do that. We'll do that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. How can everybody find you, Amaya? I want to make sure everybody knows. Yes. But we have an affiliate code for your supplement line, which is Beloved yep. 10. Where can people go mm-hmm. to, to try either your daily vitality tonic, your desire and libido tonic? Mm-hmm. I've got them both right here. Yes. In beautiful canisters. What a beautiful product. Aren't they? Yeah, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, of course. Gorge. Gorge. (laughs) (laughs) You can get those at siddhalabs.com, S-I-D-D-H-A, the word labs.com. And then if you want to connect with me, the easiest is through my Instagram at Amaya Shiva or my website, which will be live again in a week. So by the time this is out, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We'll send everybody your way. I am in love with everything that you stand for. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I know this was a longer winded one. I don't usually go this long with podcasts. So thanks for being so gracious. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Like this is the best thing ever to get to talk about and share this. Like what a gift and honor. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's why we learn this to give it to others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. When I'm in Austin again, we'll go hang out at Barton Springs. How about that? Yes, we will. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in. Amaya is a real gem and we have such great chemistry. It was just so much fun to have somebody who's such an expert, but also is like so down to earth. And I can just really, we can just laugh together and make bad jokes. And I just love her work. So if you want to check out more of Amaya, go to Sidha Labs. That's S-I-D-D-H-A-L-A-B-S.com. You can check out all of her products. I have tried her lust. That's for desire and libido in Whoa, holy smokes. They also have a memory and focus formula, a daily vitality tonic, strength and immunity. These products are for everybody, not just women. So if you want to find out more about Amaya, I will link all of her stuff in the show notes, which you can find at belovedholistics.com. You'll see a podcast link there. It's really just belovedholistics.com slash podcast. And you'll be able to see more details about our sponsors how you can get in touch with Amaya, how you can purchase some of her products at Sita Labs. Um, I will have a discount code up on the website on my online shop so that you can take advantage of a discount if you want to try some of her products. And yeah, just very grateful. Thank you, Amaya, for giving me so much of your time. Very gracious. Speaking of sponsors, remember BirthFit, Bioptimizers, Organifi, Immune Intel, HCC, and Full Well Fertility, they keep this show running. If you want to support the show, the best way is to drop the standard process and the thorn 
and these other like dingus supplement companies get the best. You deserve the best, especially if you're on your fertility journey. Get all that toxic crap out. I've chosen to work with companies that make clean products that aren't going to make you sicker, just like pharmaceuticals. You don't want pharmaceuticals, then don't go and buy just any supplement. Get your stuff from the best source. Find community at B Community through BirthFit. We'll put all the details as to how to take advantage of these incredible companies on the show notes. Another way to support the show is to continue to share these episodes on Instagram, on TikTok, in your newsletters. Send it around. These conversations are so unique. I mean, if you you haven't listened to the last episode I did, the one with my wife, Stephanie Riley, you're never going to hear a conversation about vasectomy and pregnancy loss like that ever again. It is a super unique, incredibly unique opportunity to listen in on a conversation between me and my wife. I feel like we're both great communicators, but she is my greatest teacher. I don't think that this episode with Amaya Shiva is any different. If you're liking what we're doing here, you got to support us. you got to purchase from the sponsors. you got to share the episodes. And lastly, if you haven't left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, go there, do it now. It takes 15 seconds. If you write something there, even better. But gosh, just take that 15 seconds. You wouldn't believe how much it helps and how much the algorithm really relies on those ratings. Thank you so much, everybody. You can find me again at BelovedHolistics.com. I'm also Nathan Riley, OBGYN, virtually everywhere. I just started a Twitter account, and I think it's Holistic OBG Pod because I couldn't get any other name that made sense. So you can go and follow me there. I'll just be posting little quips here and there. I'm not a fan of Twitter, but I'm going to do it and lash myself later for having opened that box. You can work with me at BelovedHolistics.com. I'm going to be launching my PRP fertility program around Black Friday, that's a great opportunity for anybody on their fertility journey to save themselves quite a bit of money. IVF costs 13 to 15 grand. For my PRP program, you're going to get meetings with me and seven other professionals in this space, and you're going to benefit. You're going to benefit. If you don't conceive naturally, then bam, if you go to IVF, you're going to get pregnant your first try, and it's going to be no problem going forward. We got to get your soil healthy, and then pregnancy is easy thereafter. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. My name is Nathan Riley, the Holistic OBGYN. Do no harm. Take no shit. I will see you all next week where I'll be talking to my friend Natasha Kingsbury. It's her second time on the show. We're going to talk about the hidden life of an anorexic bulimic. And man, that is a good one. You are definitely going to want to tune in for that one. So I can't wait. We'll see you on the 25th of November right here on the Holistic Obituary Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.